Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? What time is it where you're at, Easy? Uh, Amazing. It's 9 o'clock. 9 a.m. Oh, that's good. What time did you get up? Uh, 4. Holy cow. Is yeah. that so you can do stuff without interruption from your kids? Uh, coach classes and yeah, then kid. do stuff. So I get up at 4 to coach the 5 a.m. class. Um, and then, um, yeah, I just sit up. Like today, I just sat up and did my online programming and just sat in the gym uninterrupted and knocked some stuff out. Uh, what's the name of your online programming? Uh, Unorthodox Training. You've been doing that for a while, right? Uh, it's been, uh, I did it for about two years and then I stopped it and just shut it down because I was just like, all right, I just need a little breather. And then, uh, just got back to it. So it's been up for another year. Are you glad you got back to it? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's decent revenue. Like it's the revenue stream is pretty decent. And then, um, I just thought I was going to be. I got back to it because I thought I was going to be competing um, on team to try to go to the games. And so I was just like, well, I've always done my own programming, so I need to kind of get this back live so that I can create the revenue stream and also program for myself as I prepare to compete. And then COVID happened, so that just was shut down. Oh, is that why you didn't pursue the team thing because of that whole th- insanity? Yeah, so we were in Canada. Uh, about to compete, and then um, oh. you're lucky. You're lucky you got out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got out of there quick, man. Wait, you were at that same event that Brian's Brian's mentioned that a few times on the podcast. You were there too, Elijah. Um, yeah, I was in the Atlas Games. Yeah, at the, yeah, the Atlas Games. Yeah, I was there. Holy cow. We were just uh, speaking. Who who else have we speaking, spoken to who was there? Uh, we spoke to Medeiros yesterday. Was He He was there, right? No, no he Zach was Watts. for West Coast Classic. Zach Watts would have been there, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I dug through your Instagram all the way back to 2012 yesterday, Elijah. Man, <laughs> you... You know everybody. I mean, you have been in the game so long... At one point, I'm like, well, he's got everyone but Fraser. And then I'm like, nope, here's where he was on the grid league with Fraser. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Bounced around with everybody. I always tell people, it's like, it's funny because, like, I've been around those, the greats. Like, I've, you know, I've I've trained with them, worked out with them, um, got to learn from them. So it's been pretty cool, like, the journey of, like, on a team with Fraser, um, Training with Froning on a team with Annie, training with Dan, um, just kind of being in that space with them daily and regularly um, to kind of see like the differences between like a 16th place athlete and a, a first place athlete. You know, <laughs> like just the difference in how we structure things and you know what we kind of go for. It, it's more though than you train those other people you said. Uh, you trained with, but it's more than you trained with Rich. You're you're of his, I don't know, lineage or pedigreed. I mean you, that that's that is um. You you were there in the beginning with Rich. Yeah. I mean that was your. 
that was the 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 family tree that you come from. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. That uh, Pin- that uh was a huge. Oh, go ahead. No, say what? What year was that that you were that you started training with him? Um, eleven and twelve, the end of two thousand and ten to and- uh, early twenty twelve. And the things that you guys were doing then, or, or were there things that you were doing then that you don't think other people were doing that a lot of people are doing now? I just think it was the volume, like the magnitude and the intensity of what we were doing. Um, I think every, I think around that time people were still, I don't think anyone was weightlifting like us. I don't think anyone was like lifting like us i think we were we were lifting a lot like it was like your traditional like testosterone just man sessions like who can lift the most weight um a lot but we were also we were also training a lot you know what i'm saying we were just actually working out a lot so i think it was the fact that we were working out a ton but the intensity was just through the roof every session. It was like seven, eight guys just, I don't want to lose. I don't want to be dead last. Um, and I think that is what produced the athlete, the athletes to come out of there so fast, where it's just like, then you, could, you just couldn't, couldn't beat that intensity. You couldn't, you couldn't get that in any other room. And can you get that somewhere else now? Or is that still the only place? Yeah. Nah, it's everywhere now, man. <laughs> it's everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, and and to, to paint the picture for people who don't um, know and, and fix any of my errors here, please, Easy. But basically, um, Easy has an interesting path because I think a lot of people um, have aspirations to become uh, CrossFit Games athletes. And Easy took a little bit of a different path. Um, he went from obviously collegiate athlete, but then he went to strength and conditioning coach and from coach, then he became athlete and, um, and he had catch up to do because he entered, uh, although he was a super talented athlete, he joined the, um, the fledgling froning empire at a time when it was, when it was in its infancy, but Rich was so far ahead of everyone else. So easy. I mean, you had to jump in and play massive catch up. I was just watching a video last night. When you entered the game, you couldn't, you never had walked on your hands before, let alone done, been as strong as these guys. So you, you were, you had a super steep learning curve and a lot of strength to build quickly. Isn't that true? Yeah, man. Um, also, I mean, I was like 165. Like I was a skinny college kid, you know, um, so on top of, like, I remember the first regional uh, in 2012. That was the first year I qualified for regionals. And I had never done a pistol. Like, I had never, just never done it. Rich had never put in programming. We've never done it. And then it came out that it was like a 2K row, 30 hang cleans at 225 into like 50 pistols or something like that. Or it was like row pistols, hand cleans. And I just remember like, what's a pistol? And I just remember Rich like, oh, this. And he just starts, <laughs> he just starts doing them. Like he just starts knocking them out. And I'm like, 
I've never seen anyone do that. Like, I've never done that. Like, we've, we've never programmed that or done that. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just those incidences where it was just like, I got to catch on to this, like, in a couple weeks and figure out how to do this in a workout. Um, it was, yeah, so it was a lot of things that, um, training with them, I was just, like I wasn't a squat snatcher. I couldn't do full squats in 2011 in the open. Um, I didn't know how to overhead squat. I think it was the year you came down and you actually did a video um, at that open workout in 2011, Savant. And it was, uh, I can't remember the girl's name, but it was a girl there. Um, she was an Armenian chick. Haley, my wife? No, it was, uh, you were following. Oh, Jess- oh Jessica Pomanian. Yeah, Pomanian. You were following her, and they came into the open workout with us. And I remember that year was a burpee over the bar and overhead squat and ring muscle up workout. It's like 60 burpee over bar, 30 overhead squats, um, 10 ring muscle ups. And um, I think it was like an 11 minute cat. And the first time I did that workout, I got seven overhead squats. In 11 minutes, I did 60 burpees and was able to get seven overhead squats because I just. I had never overhead squatted before. And so it was just things like that training with them where it was just like, not only was I already weaker than them, but I got to learn these things. Like I have to figure these things out pretty much on the fly. Um, so yeah, it was a, was there a danger of you getting injured in that environment because of like, for lack of a better word, ego, you're like, okay, they're doing this. I need to do this. Uh, were you, were you, did you, and you were young, right? You're, we're talking a 20 or 22 year old Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I want to say I was much more mature and understanding, but as far as getting injured, I just never think about injuries. I feel like when you start thinking about getting hurt, you're going to get hurt. So I just, I just don't process it. It's like, you're going to jump or you're not going to jump. Stop debating it so much you know like uh so i just i think in the training setting that injury you just never was processed where it was just like i might get hurt and it was also to the unknown like i didn't know um yeah i just didn't know like if i do all of this or train this much or try to do this much volume i'm at risk of getting hurt because in college it was like you were training all the time you were working out all the time you were playing basketball all the time you were playing pickup constantly. Um, so you just weed out the, like, I didn't, I never went to a pickup game. Like, Oh, I got to be careful because I might get hurt for the season. When I went to play pickup, it was like less play ball. Like, so I just don't think the process of that was really there. Elijah, how tall are you? Uh, six foot. <laughs> six, six, six. Really? You're, you're only six. Okay. Wow. You, you... Man, I always I always thought you were taller than six foot. You're only six foot. Yeah, six foot. Holy cow, you present tall. So, um, and um, and, and what state are you in right now? Iowa. And um, where were you born? Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, so you're born in Columbus, Ohio. Do you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I got four sisters and one brother. Holy cow, so you're one of six. Yeah, and the youngest. Wow. 
Wow. That's and, and how how many years is the oldest? How many years older is the oldest? Uh the oldest is I'm thirty three, so she's forty five? No. Thirty three. Forty seven. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And uh so you're born in Columbus, Ohio and you're raised there and uh when did you leave? Uh, as soon as I graduated from high school. Was it for college? Yep. And that was it. You and that's and that's when you went to Cookville. Uh no, I went to Chicago first and played at a junior college for two years at South Suburban Illinois and the South Suburbs and then uh transferred to Tennessee Tech. And why did you transfer to Tennessee Tech? Uh, just change the pace, man. Um, you know, get out of certain environments, certain areas that I was living in and things like that. So it was just like I went on a visit to Tennessee Tech, and um, it was just different, man. I had never been around that many white people. It was it was a lot more chill. It was like the country, so it was like no partying, no trouble, no gangs, no no, it was just, it, in my mind, it was just like, I can get away from all of this and just really focus on school and, you know, get this job done of graduating from college. Did you get a uh, scholarship there? Like, how do you, how do you, how did you even find it? I mean, Chicago is like a real city. And, it, and, <laughs> and I mean, I know, I know we all know Cookville because, you know, Rich lives there, but like, how do you tell, tell me a little more details about that. So you're in Chicago, you're going to city college. Are you living with relatives or you have your own place? No, I got my own place. Um, I got a full ride scholarship to play at the junior college, um, in Chicago. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. So to go back basically after high school, um, I wanted to go play division one ball like any other uh, athlete. Um, and I had pretty good grades. I graduated with like a three, two, three, four GPA. And so, um, I could get into any division one, but the division one that I wanted to go to or that I was getting recruited to, um, he was an assistant coach at Creighton and, um, he got the head coaching job at the junior college. And so I just followed him because he was a familiar face and someone that was, had been recruiting me for a while. Um, so that's how I got to the junior college. And, uh, I got there and we just did really well as a team. We broke all the records in the school, uh, went to the state uh, two years in a row, and we just had a lot of recognition. So a lot of schools were recruiting us and coming on board to kind of find athletes. And um, out of all the schools that I had recruiting me, uh, Tennessee Tech was just the one that I felt like was just quiet. It was just a different, it was just drastically different from any other school. Most of the other schools were in cities um, bigger cities, predominantly black cities. Um, and it was just like, I need something different. And my, uh, AAU coach was the one that kind of pushed me to go to Tennessee tech due to, uh, a friend of hers and another coach that had been recruiting me, um, for a couple of years. What was that acronym you used? AEU? What's that stand for? AAU basketball, AAU basketball travel oh. team. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. So you were, so you were good in high school. Were you the best player on your team? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and were your, did your, did your siblings play basketball? How did you get into basketball? Um, same kind of scenario. It was a loyalty thing. I was actually known going into high school. I was known for football. Um, 
and a co one of my coaches was supposed to get an assistant job at a high school and I was going to go play for him at that high school and he didn't get the job and so I said I'm not playing football anymore and um started playing basketball and um yeah we started playing basketball it's kind of was always good at it but started taking it seriously when I got to high school and then uh and, and was Chicago tough like a like a like a, a like where you live was it a rough town yeah Chicago was rough Chicago was drastically like I'm from Columbus Ohio and you know we have a pretty big population and a and and Columbus was rough but Chicago was rough because I didn't know anyone like I wasn't known like it was that kind of rough where it's just like no one can save me or nothing. No one knows me if I get into something. It's just I'm on my own. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I, I've been to Chicago a handful of times, um, and my um, my parents met in uh, town in Evanston, Illinois. I think that's just right outside of yeah. Chicago. Yeah, that, yeah. that's on, that's north. Easy. He spent time on the south when he was in school, and. I'm trying to think what's what's the school in Evans, Evanston? It's a big school, Northwestern. Yeah, it's in the Big Ten. Okay, I think my mom went to school there. My dad um, did seminary school in high school in Lebanon. That was the only high school there was, so he had to go to seminary school. And then somehow, I think through some church program, then he got moved to Evanston, Illinois, at the age of 18 years old. He was he was the oldest of nine. And then my parents met, and then they eloped and came to California. But I rem- the, the only stories I know about Chicago are my dad said it was rough. He said like he 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 would say tell me crazy stories about how rough it was. And then when and he came from a rough place too, right? And so um, and then but now Chicago's in the news every day, only known for one thing, right? It's not it's not the home of the tallest building in the world like it was when I was a kid. Now it's just like just all you hear about is shootings, 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 yeah. shootings. And I mean, I know the news news glorifies that shit, but but I mean, even when I lived, I used to live in Berkeley, which is right in between Oakland and Richmond, and they would be talking about shootings every day. But I never saw it. Like when you live there, it's kind of like just I never saw any of that stuff. So I never know what to believe from the news. But <laughs> but but obviously it's happening to someone, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never uh, I try to stay away from as much of that as possible. But I mean, the areas we were in, we were outside in the south suburbs, which was, I guess, just as rough as the city due to, you know, a lot of um, gang relations moving out that way out of the city. So uh, we didn't, we try to stay out the way as much as possible. But I mean, you saw a lot of it and uh, was around a lot of it. When um when you're going to school, is it easy to stay away from that stuff because you're cause, because you're staying busy? Like it it seems like sports has always been an avenue of if you keep your kid busy, especially a young man between the age of I don't know fourteen and thirty. I mean, that's the goal, right? Keep young men busy so that um what what's this what's the phrase? The devil gives idle hands work or something like that. <laughs> close, uh, close. I mean, were you? Tell me, Brian. Unfuck me. What, what what did I say? What did the, what did what did the devil say? Or what 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 is what is the statement? I think I'm only going to be close to it. It's like the idle idle time is the devil's toolbox, or something like that. 
Google was it, it easy to stay away when you're in college? Like, were, were you disciplined and have good habits and you were like, was it easy to stay away? Uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was around you. It was there. You know, it's just, it's like you can, oh, it was, it was, it was there, man. It was like, you can't get away from it, but you don't want to engage in it too much, but it's just kind of like, don't act like it's not there. Um, Did you ever miss a practice? No, never, never miss a practice. Never miss a practice, never miss a game. You got a cold, you go to practice. You don't feel good, you go to practice. No matter what. Um, did you did you uh, did you drink in college no didn't drink at all uh i started oh, drinking so you never after, even ha- after i pledged in my fraternity my senior year i drank a little bit i had like a probably like a three-month window where i would go to a couple parties and drink sometimes but other than that nah i stayed away from drinking in your senior year you did in cookville yeah, I didn't cook meal. And and were you raised with um, religion in the household, with God in the household? Yeah, my mother, my father was a minister in the church and a minister in the Nation of Islam. Um, and my mother was um, very invested in the church. She, she worked in the church pretty much all my life. It's so it's so interesting. So your your dad was a minister in the Nation of Islam. It's so. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but I, w- when I was 16 years old, I moved into a neighborhood. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. We kind of did the same thing. Um, I moved into a neighborhood where my dad and my stepmom and I were the only white people. It was all black people and just us. And very quickly, I just started consuming every single book I could find, like from Martin Luther King to Nelson Mandela. I'm a 16-year-old kid. Bobby Seale, Huey Newton, Angela Davis. The Malcolm X, Alex Haley's Malcolm X had a massive transformative effect on my life. I got the Malcolm X shirt. I've told this story a bunch of times, but I would, I only had, I can't remember if I had one or two or three shirts, but basically they were always in the wash because it was the only shirt I wanted to wear, you know? And of course I know who Elijah Muhammad was, but until, I don't know, a couple months ago, I never made the connection. I was like, oh shit, I met, he's named after. The leader of the nation of Islam. It's so funny when I met you. And I, and another thing is, is I know a lot of people call you easy, but for some reason I always just call you Elijah, Elijah. But, uh, so your parents did name you after the leader of the nation of Islam. He he was the second leader, right? After the founder. Yeah. So, um, the honorable Elijah Muhammad, um, that's who they named me after, um, who was known as the prophet, um, the Messiah, the messenger of, of Allah. Have you met him? No, he's, he's not. Alive. When he was alive? No, no, no. I didn't meet him. Oh, cause he died in 75 and you were born after that. Yeah. Is, yeah. are you allowed to be named after him? I guess you are. I guess like, no. I guess like Mexicans call people, uh, they name their kids Jesus. Yeah. For some reason, always like, that seems like like that's like putting a, a ton of stress on the kid. Um, my parents actually got permission from Minister Louis Farrakhan to name me Elijah Muhammad. Holy shit! That I is just, awesome. I just I just found that out like a 
couple like a couple years ago, I think, or like a year ago. This next question is going to be a really weird question, but bear with me here. Do you know what child Elijah Muhammad was in his family? What number child he was? No, I don't. I would be very, very curious. I would be very Brian, curious Brian, to see you want it? if he had. Brian, it's the second second guest in a row who's bossing you around. Second guest in a row. First Maderos, now Elijah Muhammad. Um, I, I asked that because there's a gentleman named, um, you've obviously heard of Krishna, and there's a gentleman named Krishna Murthy who was born in India, and he was the last child, and he eventually came to the United States. And, uh, he was the last child born um, in his family, and I want to—I can't remember what number child he was, six, seven, or eight. But Krishna was also the sixth, seventh, or eighth child, and so they named him Krishna Murthy. And anyway, oh, he wow. ended up coming to the United States, and people believed he was uh, the living incarnation. You know, are you ready? An- another, another, another prophet. Yeah, seven out of thirteen. Oh, seven out of you ain't wow. you ain't got shit on him, Elijah. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> thirteen. Holy 13. shit! Wow. Oh man, I, had had I wonder why you're. He had eight kids himself. When your when your when your parents were um, um, when when they had their first child, did were they involved with the Nation of Islam? I'm wondering why they waited till their sixth or seventh child. What, you're you're number six, right? The yeah. last of six. They were in the. They were in the I wonder church. why they. My father was a preacher okay. in the church first, and then, um, from the stories that I know, he wanted to uh, study world history, and in order to study world history, he had to engulf himself in actual history and, and learn more of cultures. And so, um, he went to uh, like I want to say it was like Jerusalem. He went to um, Israel to study, and um, when he got back, he got in touch with the Nation of Islam started to study more of their beliefs and their cultures. And as he started to learn more about it, um, he basically just, you know, tied in and identified with exactly what they were preaching and speaking to him. So that's why he went into the nation of Islam. But at first, um, he was just a a pastor in the church. He owned his own church and, um, he wanted to finish his, his schooling and his degrees and, um, world history and uh he just took on that journey and that path to learn more about exactly um what was going on in different cultures and countries and stuff like that it's it's interesting my my dad was a history major in college also and also went to seminary school that's that's i don't know if you know this seven but i double majored in history and theology and i just i studied I, i studied them because they went so well together do you own, are, are you going to become a minister? Uh, I thought about that, it. Not in that sense, no. Oh, I oh yeah. Are, how about, Elijah, are you going to become a minister? I wasn't even going to ask you. Would you do that? Take that uh, route? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it in some shape forms. Um, there's a the, On your Instagram, there's a very consistent message. I, I forget what the slogan is, but basically – uh, what is the what is the slogan you have? Keep the vibes positive, or keep the energy positive, or Always what was positive that? Positive energy. Always positive energy. And you know what? Every time I stopped to see that, it made me feel better. <laughs> That's so, good, man. Yeah, That's I'm awesome. like, man, this is a good practice. It, it's one of those things that you read, and it's it's like always a good thing to read. So you you um, and, and how did your parents meet? Did they meet in the church? 
they met, yes, in the church. My mother, her father was a pastor. And um, that's funny, man. It's a funny story, man. I don't even know. I just found this out, too. My, my mother's first husband's mother introduced my mom to my father. The mother-in-law. So, yeah, my my mother's husband's mom, the mother-in-law, uh-huh. Uh-huh. basically was like, my son's a piece of crap. You don't need to deal with him anymore. I'm going to introduce you to this guy. And so she was living with um, <laughs> she was living with her uh, ex-husband's mother, and he introduced her to my father. Wow. Because, yeah, because she was just like, my son's not going to change, and you don't need him anymore. And and she introduced him to my father and they hit it off she's a good lady yeah yeah um are 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 your parents still alive uh yes both of them are my mom's in la awesome oh okay and where's your dad uh dc wow oh man that's a lot of traveling do you get to see them much uh no i actually um i'll get to see my dad coming up here in September for the first time in in a long time. Yeah, you you have you have four kids. Yep. And what are their ages? Uh 4, 5, 7 and 12. Oh. Holy cow. I I was thinking about this this morning in the shower, sorry, but um I was thinking that there's something probably that we have in common um when there's some people who you meet and they're like how many, they have one kid or they have two kids and they're th- they let you know that they're really happy with their one kid or their two kids and and they're just cool with that and then i don't want to say that i'm jealous or envious but when i but i'm but i and i'm not even sure if proud is the word but but i'm proud that i have three kids and when I see someone who has four kids, I'm a little bit, I, I wish I could think of a better word, jealous or envious. And same thing with when I have five ki- see someone with five kids or six kids or seven kids. And I would guess you're the same way that if it were like in a perfect world, you would, you would have 20 kids that you just seem cut from the same cloth as me like that. Like basically you want that experience. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. If I, if my wife was up, to continue to reproduce and have more kids if we would have more kids. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, and thank God they put brakes on us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My wife tells me, she said, she says, you better not fuck around. I'll give you triplets. And I'm like, I'll take them <laughs> girls to match these three boys. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, right, right. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, why do you think you want so many kids? Why do Why do you think you're you you like kids so much? What do you, What do you think you like about it? I don't know, man. It, um, it's like the hybrid. It's like the hybrid between not having a father and having a a mother that was very nurturing. Um, and then like uh, I always tell people, like I always jokingly say, like I think I'm cool as shit. Like, I just think I'm cool. So, like, to have another little me would be cool. And if we can just <laughs> continue to populate the world with just dope-ass me's, it, it, I think, you know, we're looking at a better place soon. 
Um, and yeah, so that's just it, man. It's just like uh, the process of um, the process of the child as they start to develop and learn and different things. It's just so intriguing or it's just like they learn so differently. They pick up things so differently. They react so differently. Um, and I, I don't know. I just uh, like like I told my wife, like, you know, a crying baby has never bothered me. Like it's, it's never, I've never gotten like enraged, like, oh, when this baby stop crying, it's just kind of like, how can I, how can I serve you? Like, how can I help you? Like, what do you need from me? And I will continue to figure it out. I will continue to try to figure it out. Um, and I just, I've just always been intrigued by the patience of the patience that I have just with a child in general, like with my children. So. I don't know. There's so many things that, that make me just would continue to have children. There's this, um, I, I, there, it, there's a deeper story than this, but I'll give you the shallow version. Um, it's not the car alarm going off outside your bedroom window at three in the morning. That's bothering you. It's the story you're telling yourself about it. <laughs> and cool. I think that, and I think that's a, uh, <clears throat> The pro we, one of the big problems in our societies is that people really, they conflate their thoughts with the outside world a lot. Like they think that their thoughts are reality. They think that the horn actually is bad or that the crying baby actually is bad. And they, they haven't taken the personal responsibility or accountability to tell themselves, hey, it's the story you tell yourself. And man, you're, you've told yourself a different story about the crying baby. And yeah. it's, it's so awesome. Like, yeah. um, like and then, and then you nailed the, and then you you nailed the exact same reason why I like kids, except I don't know how cool I think I am, although I really enjoy being alone. But um, I love watching them grow. Yeah. It's crazy. I love watching plants grow. I love watching kids. Grow. It's, yeah, it's you're right. You said it's intriguing. It's fucking fascinating. And the they grow every single day, and they grow right in front of you. If like can, like uh, plants, you have to go to sleep and wake up and look at them the next day to be like, oh, the flower opened. But kids, it's like, holy shit, I just saw – it's like time-lapse photography. You're like watching yeah. them grow right in front of you. It's mind-boggling. If I can be uh, very, very upfront, honest, like out of all the stuff you post on social media that I'm just like, oh, here he goes again, that I am kind of intrigued about watching and stuff like that, I just genuinely enjoy what you do with your kids and how deeply and passionately you speak about parenting. Thank and you. It's just like, thank you. Regardless of what else comes into play or what else is around, it's like that one thing is is attracting. So it's just like, no, I'm not. I'm not looking at Saban's page because he made this post, and you know, he's people are arguing with him about this, but it's like. This one thing is super cool and I'm a dad too and I can identify with that and I really, really I genuinely enjoy seeing, you know, your kids and how you just raise them. Honestly, it's just whatever that looks like. Um, it's just pretty cool to me. And uh yeah, I just yeah, it's cool. I try to keep um I try to separate my shit, so I try to keep my my feed, the stuff that's permanent the more kid centric stuff and then all the stuff that's just the 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 social drama i try to keep in the story but now you don't have to see any of it elijah cuz i'm shadow banned as fuck <laughs> so 
you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to see any of it um so so four kids you're um is is and, and do you travel a lot still uh no after covid it slowed down drastically it's picking back up now um but just due to the the policies on travel and all the restrictions i've just been kind of chilling so i've been traveling a little bit but not not as much as before covid so you're loving the covid response kind of in the same way i am it's just it's like just a free it's it's like a free vacation to hang out with your kids yeah yeah i mean like i <laughs> i just i just kick it man i don't i don't do much i don't if Literally, if I'm not getting paid, I'm just like, I'm not moving. Like, there's there's no reason to go anywhere. There's no reason to travel. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's exactly how I am. If I, That's exact. It's crazy. Do you know Travis Bajant? I do not. Um, he was a commentator back in the day for the CrossFit Games. Big old guy. Yeah, shaved head. He was the professional arm wrestler. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he, so he has four kids and he had kids young, y- y- younger than me. He had them like when you had them. And whenever I would travel with him, all he wanted to do was get back home and be with his kids. And it was so weird because I didn't understand that at all. But now I'm like, Oh, I totally get it. Like if, yeah. if, if I'm not getting paid, if I'm not doing something to bring something like bread back to the family, I'm not leaving. Yeah, There's no way. Just, yeah. That's how I've always been, man. It's just, you know, my kids are usually like, they're only, they're not with me right now because they're in, um, they're in camp, uh, but like normally my kids are with me from when they wake up to when they go to sleep, um, unless they're in school. Uh, but other than that, yeah, they're with me all day, so it just becomes a routine where it's just like I get to I get to interact with them, hang out with them, work out with them, you know, just randomly go play in the creek with them. Um, so when I'm traveling and I'm gone, it's just like if this isn't actually benefiting the family while I'm gone. Uh, there's no need for me to be going. Yep, I feel you. So you go to Cookville, you go there to play basketball, you're there, and, and how's it go there? Do you start when you go there? Uh, no, my junior year I didn't start. I was a six-man. I probably started like maybe 10, 12 games out of the season, um, but I wasn't the number one start starting point guard until my senior year. And then, and then, so then you play your senior year, and then what was the goal after that? Was it to go to the NBA? Uh, I wanted to play pro ball. So crazy story, man. I wanted to play pro ball, and I was I was dead set on like I'm gonna play professional basketball. Um, and when I started getting some of the contracts that that people make overseas and how much they make, in my mind I was like, I can make this doing some bullshit. Like I can make this doing nothing. So do I really want to play basketball? And so. Um, after weighing that, I was like, I really do want to play basketball. It's the only thing I love. Um, but it didn't make sense to take my family overseas with me with the amount of money that I would be making. Um, and so I had had my daughter my senior year, and it was like, okay, leave my child and my wife here. Go overseas and play ball so that we can make money. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I can't imagine waking up and not being with my kids. Like, I can't imagine like weeks on end, not seeing my kid. So I was just like, okay, this basketball thing isn't going to work. On the flip side, I got a contract to go overseas and play basketball. We're, we're sitting down talking about this contract. And my coach says, 
uh, yeah, they'll be in the conversation. He says, there'll be a translator there for you. And I was like, translator. And he was like, yeah, like they don't, they won't, everyone won't speak English. And instantly I was like, okay, fuck that. If no one speaks English, I'm not going to a place where they can't understand me. Like I'm not doing that. Like that's the, that's a sign of disaster. Like I'm going to get murdered. And so, uh, I just was like, I got to figure something out. And so I went and got like a little job at this like cleaning place and, uh, Chip Pugh brought me on staff as a strength coach. And I said, okay, this is it. I can be a strength coach. This is a career job. I had looked up all of the, um, high school collegiate and, uh, professional levels of strength coaches, how much they get paid. And I told my wife, I said, you know what, I'll be a professional strength coach. Give me five years. Give me five years and I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to get to become a professional strength coach. And uh, so I just took over strength and conditioning. And, and so so you met your wife your junior year? I met my wife my freshman year in college when I was in Chicago. Oh, wow. And so you stayed together when you went to Cookville? Yeah, yeah. I asked her, <laughs> funny story, she's going to laugh when she hears I asked her, I was like, hey, I'm going to college. I'm, I mean, leaving schools. So um, whatever school you want to go to, you can pick because I can play basketball anywhere. Uh, I just want you to be comfortable if you're going to come with me. And um, I was like, I really like this Tennessee Tech school. I think I'm going to go here. And uh, I told her straight up, like, if you don't come with me, this relationship will not work. If you are not beside me, this is not going to work. So if you want to be with me, you probably need to come to Tennessee. She told me no with a straight face. Like, go, no. I was like, no, like. Like, no, the hell she didn't just tell me no. Like, <laughs> Send me, me to Tennessee by my damn self. I was like, nope. And then uh, a few months later, she uh, she moved down there. And and then and then your and so was she in one of your classes in City College? And you just sat next to her and like, hey, yo, I'm Elijah. Let's go out. No, I met her at the club. We were at a club. Oh, okay. And, uh, it was a group of girls. The old fashioned way. Oh yeah, it was, it was a group of it was a group of girls. They used to always be at the club, and I used to tell my friends like, "I'm gonna get one of these girls, one of them. I don't know which one, but they all sexy as hell. They all know how to dance. I'm gonna get one of them." And um, we could never get any of them. And then one random night, one of my friends um, approached her and asked her for her phone number. Got her phone number, and um, she told him like, "Hey, you know, I know I gave you my number, but I'm interested in your friend. You know, I know y'all." We, we they, they knew who we were because we always tried to talk to these girls. Like every weekend we saw them, we were trying to talk to them, hit on them and get them to come back to the house and kick it with us and party. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they just would shut us down all the time. So they, they knew us who we were, but they didn't really know who we were because we were from out of town. And so, um, and the more like, they shut you down, the more you liked them. You're like, the these more must be you good want, girls. <laughs> the more you want to go for it, man. Um, so now nah, then they, um, he got her phone number and he was like, uh, she said she wants you to call her. And I was like, bullshit. And so called her. She ended up living around the corner from me. And it was just like, boom, it was within two months. She was living with me. Yeah, it was like, just, it was quick. It just moved fast. Do her parents like you? Um, at first they didn't. Just so happened, um, her, her, I didn't meet her parents for like six months. Now, mind you. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. She had been to Columbus, met my mother, met my sisters, met my family. I live around the corner from her father, her mother. I had never met these people. 
<laughs> this woman is now this woman is now living with me. She's living with me. Moved in. And I still hadn't met her parents. She would not introduce me to her parents. And um I thought it was so weird. And then um her father, her stepfather found out that my name was Elijah Muhammad and her mother um was in the Nation of Islam. And he was. And once he found out my name was Elijah Muhammad, it intrigued him so much for him to try to meet me. And uh, I just thought it was BS. I'm like, oh, you didn't want to meet me before, but now you find out who I am and now you want to meet me. So uh, after about five, six months, I ended up meeting her family and all her parents and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, and, and now everything's great. You love your yeah. in-laws? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My in-laws are, my in-laws are dope, man. Um, that's why we moved to Iowa, to be closer to my mother-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah. I was, I was, I, that was eventually my question. And so you, the grandparents are in your kid's life. Yes. My, my wife's parents are in my kid's life. My mother is in LA. And so, uh, we don't get to see her much because I usually travel to LA by myself, um, and spend time with my mom probably twice, three times a year. I'll travel to see my mom and, um, the kids don't get to see her as much, but she just retired. So we're hoping to hoping to change that and get the kids around the, her a little bit more. But um, I don't I don't have a relationship with my father, so I don't know if they'll ever meet my father, just unless he comes here. We, we, we just started talking this year. So this year I opened up the door to uh, just get my whole family together. So we get on weekly calls or monthly calls, uh, me and my whole, all my siblings and my mother and father just to talk and kind of get to know each other. Um, and uh, hopefully my father will get to meet his grandkids before, you know, uh, he passed or anything like that happens. You initiated that? You're like, that's, that, that's your idea to get the family together on a call? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, um, I, as I was getting older, I was just like, who the fuck am I? Like, I don't even know anyone from my father's side. I don't know anything about them. And, um. I was just like, man, it just it sucks when you hear these stories of people talking about their grandparents and, you know, this, this and that. And then people just dropping their kids off at, you know, grandma's house and taking the week off. And it's just like, yeah, that's never happened with me. You know, since my kids have been born, they've I've, they've had me and they've been with me, you know. So it just got to a point where I was like, all right, um, I need to f I need to just open that door and just make sure it stays open. And so. um yeah, I just called my mom and told her, like, hey, I talked to my dad and talked to my brother. And can we just figure something out where we can talk once a month and just see each other once a month? Um, because we're all getting older and, you know, I would hate for something to happen. And my kids never know that I had a brother or never know that um, they never met their grandfather. One person is going to hear this at least and be inspired by that and do that. I guarantee it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got to ask more questions about this. So did any of your siblings or your parents be like, are you fucking crazy? I'm not doing that. Um, no, nah, nobody, nobody really said no, they're not doing that. I called my brother. So I called my oldest sister because my sister is the oldest of all the well, siblings. Real quick, one, one thing before you continue. Sorry, yeah. because I get along with everyone in my family, and if they asked me to do that, I'd be like, I, I would have all sorts of like, not for any good reasons, but like I dig my feet in the sand. You know what I mean? Like there would just yeah. be something about it I would have an instantaneous reaction to. But it's okay, so sorry, go ahead. 
Uh, give me one second. I'll be right back. Hold so, on. so you could. Hold on one okay. Second. Do you think he has to pee? His kids aren't home, so he, I know he's not going to like save someone from hanging off the side of the roof. Where do you think I went when I got up? What? Oh, I didn't even see you got off. Oh, thank you. I didn't even. I didn't even see you got off. It started. You know, one other time. You, it started ahead. downpouring here, and the windows were all open. So first of all, they can come in. Second of all, it was loud. So I was like, I got to I got to go close these windows. <laughs> didn't even notice. Thank you. Yeah. Um. That's the second time that I think there was one other time you told me that you got off or something. And I'm like, what? I didn't even notice. Do you notice every time I get off? I guess you wouldn't notice if you didn't notice. No. If, so if, you don't know. Yeah, of course I notice because you're you know, driving the show, generally speaking. But uh, that thing that he did with his family is, honestly, it's getting, getting me thinking a little bit because my family's pretty well dispersed also and doesn't talk too much. I like I like the story of him getting his family together because it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? As soon as he said that, like I picture it happening to me and I'm I start squirming in my seat and shit. I'm like, "All right, let's figure this thing out." Yeah, so um um are are you, are you having a party at your house? It's a little early for a party. No, I'm at the gym. Oh, okay. All right. So you're having a party at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Uh so, uh, yeah, I contacted my sister and I just started asking her all the questions that I needed to know, like the backstories, my childhood, what happened, why are my parents not together? Uh, why don't I talk to my brother? Where's dad at? All this stuff. And my sister was just basically breaking down the whole family history to me because she's the oldest sibling. So she's seen the most and been through the most. And uh, once I got information from her and then contact my other sister and then contacted my brother and then contacted my other sister and talked to my mother and talked to my father. So I just started talking to everybody one on one and just opened the door. And then um, I just need to know information because I was just like, I don't know y'all. Like, I don't I haven't talked to y'all like I haven't seen y'all. And um, the base of it, everything was like, how do I get in touch and communicate with my father? Like, how do I like clear the air to let them know like, Hey, like what's happens happened. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I just want to know what happened. I want to know the truth. And I, I mean, we can move on. Like we could start from here. Like, you know, like I just, I'm cool with it. So it was just getting that information. And once everybody started chatting and talking and, um, everything came up, it was just like, yo, why don't we just link up? Like, why aren't we talking? Like, what's like, why do I have a brother? And we, we know nothing about each other and we don't talk. Like, why do I have a father and you don't even hit me up to say, Hey, how you doing? Or comment on a Facebook post or like, whatever. It was just weird. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, I need to figure out some things about myself. Um, and the only way I'm going to do that is to know where I come from and my past of why I behave or act a certain way or respond to certain things in certain manners. And it all came through, you know, figuring those things out. And so now we just hop on the call, on a call once a month to just catch up with everybody and make sure everybody's okay and figure out how we're all going to link up so that we can see each other. You can, you can take the hundred thousand foot view of this with like just no judgment and just be like, holy shit, what a cool thing you're doing to stimulate your life. Not good, not bad. Like, think of what you're doing to yourself. 
the input you're putting in. You know what I mean? Like it's so freaking awesome what you're doing as long as you don't like get caught in the drama and it sounds like you're above it all because like you can't be like, you can't find out like, Hey, my dad left me cause he was beating me and then judge him. You have to be like, okay. Or, or maybe even thank him. You have to have like these fresh eyes. Like if you want to continue to nurture the stimulus, right? Like you have to yeah. be ready to do what you did. You can't be like introducing people into your life just so you can fucking yell at them for something bad they did to you when you were 12, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not the sure. goal, right? I mean, it, it's some, it's some big boy shit you're doing. It's like, it's, it's awesome. And are you yeah. getting stimulated as all get out from it? Are you getting tons of um, like, like yeah, neural I mean, connections and, and, and like, Yeah, uh, good and good and bad, you know, um, like, you know, stimulating in, in good and bad ways where it's just kind of like it's tough to hear certain things. It's tough to um, it's hard to find that understanding when certain things come up, um, but it's also nurturing and it feels good because it's not as bad as your mind made it to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, your mind can really, really fuck with you, man, like on um certain things and you, you know when you find out the truth it's just kind of like oh it wasn't that bad like it was or it wasn't because of me or it wasn't this or you know whatever you know your mind has created the story that you didn't know so um it, it plays both ways but um all in all it's it's good it's good just to know and good just to have that open door in that relationship an example I like to use for what, what one of the like growing up is like is when you're when you're ten years old, when you're a ten year old boy, if you found out that your dad cheated on your mom, you'd hate your dad. Then as a twenty five year old man, you might be like, Okay, I get it. That dude <laughs> dudes and it's like it's a it's it's a it's a tough thing to funnel. And then yeah. as maybe like a forty year old man now with three kids, it's not that you go back to saying, Hey, that was fucked up what my dad is, but you flip the script again in even a more mature way, like, Yeah, he shouldn't have done it but I have compassion for it because yeah. now you like, like now your, your kids are your number one priority and the goal is to keep your home stable, right? Yeah. Like at all costs. Yeah. For and, sure. uh, and you, and you got, and you got to have strong, healthy, happy mama for it. So it's, it's fascinating how the same story can go from hating your dad to thinking it's okay to then going back to like, Hey, not, not that my dad did that, at least not that I know, of, but I just use that kind of as an example of like what a mature man. And then in your final phase, you're like, Hey, it wasn't the right thing to do, but I have some understanding of it. Yeah. It's, um, and who knows what it'll be when I'm 65. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll go back and be like, damn, you should have nailed everyone in the room. You only live once, but I don't know. <laughs> so, so you have so you have your first kid really young. Are you scared to death? No, I'm super ready, man. Super ready. I knew I was gonna have kids young. Like that was that was a given. The way I was fucking, I mean, like I I don't know about anyone else, but I I enjoyed sex. Like I enjoyed having sex with my wife and my woman and stuff like that. So I knew it was just a matter of time before we have a kid. Now on the flip side, she didn't want kids. Um, wow. So, yeah. So that was the, that was a shocker when, when we had a kid, I was like, Oh cool. Like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be a new experience. It's going to be fun. And she was just kind of like, she has a really good mom. So she knows what it's like to have a really good parent or mother. So it wasn't that right. she was scared of being a bad mom. 
she was just scared because my wife was all about her. She was into her. she's the she was the youngest girl of the family too, and so she was technically the baby for a long time, and um, she was just all about her. Like you know, what I'm saying, what do I want to do and where do I want to go in life? And so she was like, if I have a kid, this is gonna just offset everything about me. And um, so her her not wanting a kid was more just selfish, just just because like I just wanted it to be about me and. Um, I knew I wanted a kid super early. I used to tell my girlfriend in high school, like, if you got pregnant, we straight. Like, you got me. So you ain't got to worry about Oh, you're, you're a parent's nightmare, Elijah. I am. I am. Um, I am. And, and how long? So you've been with your, your third, you've been with your wife for 12 years. You guys have been a couple for 12 years. Yeah, 13 years together, 2007, we met. We started dating in 2007, so 13, 14 years we've been dating. We've been married for 10. Do you think – where do you rank your relationship with your wife in terms of your achievements? Like I like when I think of my wife, I'm like it's my greatest achievement in life, this relationship. Like if it went away, like I, I don't even think I would ever try to have another one. Like it, 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 if something happened, God forbid, to me or my wife, it would be like I was retiring from like the Super Bowl. Like every day I'm like, holy shit, this is the crowning achievement. Do, do you see a relationship like that? Um, I would Like in terms of more. how close you are, what you've done together, what you've created, the obstacles you've overcome. You know what I mean? Like – yeah, I would I would look at it as I don't I think we've overcome every obstacle. I don't think there's nothing that um, that can break us but us, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, it's been terms, forth and, and long a lot of times in your relationship, yeah, right? And you're like for sure. But but you guys drove it into the end zone and you're like, Holy shit, another for fourth sure. down completion. Um, yeah. So when it comes to marriage, it's just like it's that it's that never ending like journey. It's like CrossFit. It's just like, I can get better. I, I, I can get better. Like I can, this is another obstacle. Like I can get better at this or, you know, she wants this from me. Okay. I can work on this. So it's just super cool. Um, in the aspect of thinking like there's always something to get better at or to, to work on. Um, and I think that's what always intrigued me with CrossFit where it was just like, there's always something like, um, yeah. So like, as far as in terms of me and her, it's just always been like, I know the one person that will never, ever leave me hanging. And like, I'm a hundred percent sure on that. Like no matter what it looks like or what's happening, I know that woman will never leave me hanging. She will always find a way to support and help or to, to drive me in the right direction, even if it may seem like she's not driving, like even if it may seem like she's not on board with some things, like in the long term, she's always there to support. So, um, it's marriage has been. It, go ahead. If I may give a little commentary on that for people who are listening, people who are listening might be thinking, "Oh, what a great wife he has." Uh, but but what what I hear is what a great mindset Easy has because he is I believe the same thing about why, my wife also but it's my mindset it doesn't like I've set her up I, I I have to have that mindset 
my she, like like to sorry to use such a uh, cheesy term, but she's my ride or die in my head, no matter what. So whether so there, there's two ways to think of this. Some people will be like think that she really is that person, but you also have to remember that's Easy's mindset. It has nothing to do with her. He holds her in his mind like that, and that's the way I hold my wife too. Yeah, yeah it's my. Yeah, I always tell people like. Explaining marriage is hard because it's like it's oh it's hard to like explain like when people say like oh I want to be married it's just like who all right like okay like you know like <laughs> get ready like you know like it's just get ready for it. it's just the same way when it's like oh I want to have kids it's like when you're dealing with another human that close and that intimate. It's just hard to actually explain it. Like it's hard to actually give you what I guess you're you're looking for in the context of like you're talking about I, I'm bonding with another human on a level that I will never bond with someone else. Like I love this human more than I will ever love something else. You know what I'm saying? It's just like how do you really explain that? Like I I try to, but I don't know if I can really explain that for you. Um, one of the interesting things is, is I feel, did, did something happen with the audio? Can you hear us easy? Uh oh, we lost easy. He's muted. So that's why, that's why that background noise stopped. He can oh. still hear us though. That was, a, that, that was a nice organic hum. I'd gotten used to it. Oh God, I wonder how that's going to be in the final, um, publication of this. Maybe his headphones went out. His kids took his headphones back. I know, right? My, uh, listen, they got my. <laughs> How did those even fit your big old head? This little, little uh, headphones from school. I don't believe you, Easy. Those are yours. Hey, um, <laughs> Easy, the, the, I'm like so my own person, and I'm like so, I'm so rooted in who I am. I'm almost impossible to move. But if my wife, the slightest thing happens to her, I feel it. Like yeah. she stubs her toe or she wakes up in a bad mood. It's so crazy because I'm so impervious to the rest of the world. But it is – you're right. You're so – you don't realize that like when you're yourself, you're responsible for all your own emotions. But when you're married, like if they're not having a good day, man, like – or you're not – like you kind of – and you also owe it to them, right, to always like – deal with your shit quickly or in a good healthy way because they're going to feel your shit. It's almost like you're like those twins in the cartoons where you punch one and the other one feels it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. It's kind of like that. If you have a strong relationship, it's, it, it can get crazy. You're like, damn, my wife just got punched in the face, but I, my nose is bleeding. So yeah. it's... um. So uh, what did she think of Cookville? What, you said you moved there and it was like crazy white. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of when I visited there. I don't really remember much. I just, uh, I, I just, re I remember the inside of the gym and it just being just tons of dudes, just like you said, working out. It was basically yeah. you guys, the CrossFit team, and then the and then the football team. Every time I was there, just getting at it. But what did she think of Cookville? Was she okay with the with um, the demographic? She, uh, yeah, she was all right with it. She didn't enjoy it. She wanted to get out of there quickly as, as quickly as possible. Um, so, I mean, our plan was to get out of there um, sooner or later just because she wanted to live in a city. And she's like one of those, like, 
I want to live in a condo with a lot of traffic and, you know, loud noises. And I want to go up to my rooftop and be able to, like, not talk to anyone but watch everyone. Like, um, you know, like, I want my own, like, garden just right outside my window. Like, she's just, she's just, she likes to be in her own element. And, um, you know, that city was too small. It just wasn't wasn't what she was vibing for so I knew we were going to get out of there I just didn't know how long it was going to be do you, do you remember the um, do you remember when we came out there my, when my wife made a video with you yeah 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 and it's so funny because last night when I was it, it, you posted it a long time ago but last night I was going through it and I'm watching the video. And I'm like, God, this looks so familiar. This looks so familiar. And then all of a sudden I heard Haley asking you a question. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's Haley's video. So I tagged yeah. her in it. But it's she like a the, pose from like, I don't know, five years ago. She was the only one that thought I was relevant at the time. I, could, I couldn't get I couldn't get you or Dave Castro's attention. They were like, uh, I, that kid's not. Uh, we're not going to keep the camera on him. She uh, she probably you probably sweet. You probably sweet talked her. <laughs> she was there, like probably, and you probably sweet talked her. Can I get a couple minutes on your microphone, so, mail? Um, so we we met there, um, and that was 2012. And so then you basically you trained there for two years. And what ends up being? Did you end up getting the the story I heard is that you got a job with High Temp, and that's why you eventually left Cookville. Is that what happened? Um. So. Uh, no, that wasn't exactly what happened. So in 2012, um, we were going to basically, um, cross the Cookville. We were basically going to close the class down. We had a morning class and afternoon class in which I worked both of them to make up the money that I needed to make in order to just, you know, make sure I'm all right. And, um, we were going to close the, um, the morning class, I think it was, or maybe the afternoon class. I can't remember. We we're going to close one of the classes. And so um, I said, if we close one of the classes, that cuts my check in half. Like, you know, like what, like what, like I don't get paid enough. Like I got to figure something out. And um, out of when I had to talk with uh, Coach Pugh, he asked me, like, do you think, do you think we're having issues with CrossFitters and the athletes that go to Tennessee Tech? And I said, respectfully and honestly, yes, it's it's a confusion because they feel like this is their gym when it's not their gym. It's the athletes gym. But, you know, CrossFitters are here when athletes are here. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, like this is their facility and, you know, we might have to close a class. And so at that time, I was like, well, if we close the class, like. Like we're, we're living off of the CrossFit money I make in strength and conditioning. So I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm going to do other than I got to go get a job, which means I can't coach classes or I can't train as much or I'm not a strength coach. Like, And so at that time, uh, I went, I had a birthday party in Nashville and uh, met a couple CrossFitters down there. And one of them said they're opening a gym and they uh, they're looking for a head coach. They're looking for someone to run the gym. And so uh, at that time, I basically it was like this might be an opportunity for us to get to Nashville a bigger city this might be an opportunity for us to make more money um, and this might be an opportunity for me to really put in the time in CrossFit just doing CrossFit and um, 
uh, CrossFit Cookville was soon to basically close one class or maybe have to close down. And so uh, I moved to Nashville with the intentions that CrossFit Cookville was basically either going away or just downsizing um, its class schedule. Um, and so I took the job and uh, after regionals of 2012, I moved down to Nashville. You're on mute, Seven. You're on mute. So the way you were saying that, am I getting the impression that they en- you left, but they ended up not closing it down? Uh, so you left for no reason? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it felt, kind of. Uh, it's not that I left for no reason. I mean, we wanted to get to a city anyway. We wanted to get to a city. We didn't know when. But when I left, Mayhem opened up, um, and I didn't know. It wasn't until I basically told the gym that I was moving down there and then me and Rich had to talk that mayhem was opening up um, and uh, yeah it just it just kind of ended up sucking in a way where it was just like well if mayhem was opening up I would have worked at mayhem you know um, but uh, right. you know just due to what was going and on and you guys here. were very and you guys were very very close right well, at least yeah. when I was there it was like – I'm trying to think who the three people were, if it was you, him, and Darren. But you, when I was there, it was like – I think I went there two times, and it was like you guys were always together. Yeah, me and Frony. Yeah, I mean, we were super tight. We are super tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was, that was my brother, you know, and I was the guy that I just, you know, looked up to, trained with to, you know, get fitter and better. And, um, yeah, we were, we, were, we, were, we were bros. That was my boy. Um, still is. I mean, to this day, you know. So you go to Nashville, and then from Nashville, is that when you, where is high is that is high temp where you went after Nashville? Yeah, so after Nashville, then I went to high temp in Alabama, and worked at high temp. And they make weights, right? Yeah, yep, they manufacture bumper plates. And I remember when you, when I heard that I don't remember if I heard it from you, but when I heard you got that gig, I was super duper excited for you. I was thinking, holy shit, what a great place to go because the at the at that time. High temp couldn't even keep the demand up, right? There was just such a huge yeah. demand for bumper plates. Oh my goodness, it was crazy, man! It was super crazy. But um, yeah, when I got down there, it was—I mean, it was a phenomenal job. It's probably the high temp was probably working for Chuck was probably the the best like guy that I've ever worked for or just been around in a certain sense. Uh, I met some really close people that I'm still close with in Alabama. Um, working Chuck's the owner of High Temp? Yeah, Chuck Rumbly. And, uh, wow, that's cool. So you were stoked when you got there. Yeah, man, that was um, that was huge. That was a huge time in my life. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was a fun, t- it, was a, it was a fun time because I qualified for the games and I, I kept getting closer and closer to qualifying and then I qualified there. And on top of that, I just, I just had everything I needed. And then from there, where did you go? And then there, I went to Vegas. So I left uh, Alabama, wow. went to Vegas. Um, and I was in Vegas for about a year and a half, I think. I want to say 2016. And how many kids did you have then? Well, by the time I got to Vegas, I had all four. I had my last one in Vegas. Okay. And why did you go to Vegas? Um, so I got a, a job opportunity in Vegas. Dancing? 
Were you dancing? <laughs> Chippendales? I, was, I would still be there, man. Look at look at me. I, <laughs> I, um, uh, I got a job opportunity at a gym to um, to go in as like part owner at a gym, um, and so I just took that opportunity uh, and moved to Vegas. Me and my family. You said when you went to college, you weighed one hundred and sixty-five pounds, six feet tall. How much do you weigh now? Uh, I'm one ninety-two now. Uh, but when I train CrossFit and actually I'm lifting, like right now I'm training for a marathon and a 200 mile bike. Um, so Ooh. of course a lot more aerobically moving, but when I'm training CrossFit, I'm usually around like 195 to 200, close to 200. It's crazy. In your pictures, you look like you weigh so much more. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you, you photograph like a guy who's 6'4", 240. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. It's probably your shoulders and just your your shoulders and just how long your legs are. They make you look. I know. Man, yeah, like, you got, I try to tell you got people, broad like, shoulders and a tiny waist. That's it. I'm super like, I'm. you got to remember, these guys are my body weight, but like five inches smaller. That's compact. Like that's a compact dude. I'm a basketball player. I mean, man. It, it, it's crazy that you weigh less than Fikowski. I mean, if I were to put a picture of the two of you guys together, I would never think that. But then again, if I saw you guys standing next to each other, maybe. Not yeah, just Fikowski's less, like 20 body. pounds less. Yeah, and, and how tall is Fikowski? He's listed as 6'2. Okay, so you go to Vegas, and then from there, is that when you go to Iowa? Yeah, from Vegas, I was like. I got to get closer to family. I got to get my kids closer to family and need some assistance. I was traveling a ton. So it was just like, I got to, I got to do this. So, um, we just packed it up after the 2017 games and headed to Iowa. Will you live there the rest of your life? Um, I don't know. Probably. You mean, he, oh, he's telling think, them to yeah, he's yeah. telling them to get out of the room. He's like, "Yo, beat it." You're muted. Yes. We'll wait. Yo, scat. Um, so, so, are you gonna live there the rest of your life? Probably, probably. Um, I mean, I wouldn't care if I did or didn't, um, but. As far as the foundation and what Iowa kind of presents in my eyes, like I don't see any reason to move. I've lived west, I've lived east, I've lived, haven't lived south. I just like my seasons, man. I can't live where it's we can just count, warm. I think we can count oh, Alabama as south. Yeah, 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 Alabama, yeah, yeah south Tennessee, Alabama. But um, yeah, I like my seasons, man. Like I like shoveling snow. I like using my fitness to shovel snow and. Every year I built my kids a snowman and we go sledding and we spend that time together and have those memories in the fall. We do fall things and pumpkin patches and, you know, celebrate those things or just have those events in the summertime. We have those events in the spring. Like I just enjoy my seasons. And so right now when I'm, while I'm young, I don't feel any need to be like, I just need warm weather because I can't function. Like as long as I got my fitness, I'm going to shovel my snow. I'm a mow. I'm a push mow my lawn. Like it's just who I am. So I don't want to go to a place that's constantly warm or constantly cold. What city do you live in? In Des Moines. 
the city is Ankeny. It's right outside of Des Moines. Yeah, and your house looks awesome. Your neighborhood looks awesome. Like it looks like the kind of neighborhood the kids can play in the street. You looking at my house? I <laughs> see my house. <laughs> I don't know. Just from uh, Instagram, just like from the kids. I just assumed oh. it was your house. Oh, the video. Okay, I thought she was like looking at something on like googling my address and looking at the. No, like Google. No, I don't know your address. <laughs> just from the stuff I see on Instagram, it just looks like hey, the, like just the little shots I've seen of like a sled yeah. being pulled on a sidewalk, or the kids looking at a frog under the car, or just stuff yeah. like that. Just the little glimpses I get. I just like, oh wow, he, he he's like in the poltergeist neighborhood, you know, like yeah. just a neighborhood or like where ET lived, you know, just a cool neighborhood. Kids can <laughs> yeah. ride their bikes. You yeah, don't got to worry about anyone speeding down the street. It's pretty comfortable. Um, kids get to go out and play and enjoy themselves and you know there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood so um they all link up and ride scooters and ride bikes and stuff like that so 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 did you go there and did you have a job there in iowa or you just went yeah or did you just go there and wing it start hustling i I guess by then you have your online programming and you're in your you're hustling yeah i when i moved here i mean we lived off of pretty much sponsorships and, you know, online sales, like apparel sales and stuff like that. Um, and then my wife was just like, we need to open a gym because there was only like 15 gyms or like 12 gyms uh, in the Des Moines area, in the metro area. So. And were you stoked? Were you stoked when she said that? Were you like, yeah, let's do it? Or were you like, oh, shit, here we go again? I was like, fuck that. I don't need to open a gym. I don't, I don't want a gym. I'll coach out of the garage. <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to kick it. I just literally I wanted to kick it. Um, but she was like, you know, we need to open a gym now, you know, before a lot of gyms start opening. And um, I was like, well, once you do this, it's like it's forever. Like, I'm not just going to quit on it. I'm going to continue to push it, continue to try to make sure it thrives, continue to invest in it, whatever needs to be done. And so, um yeah, she opened a gym. She pretty much got everything together and opened a gym. So we started a gym here. And how's the gym doing? Uh, it's doing good now. For the first the first uh, the first year and a half was a cluster, and then COVID happened. Um, oh. It's doing it's doing good now. And then when did you launch Project Onyx? Uh, that was almost a year ago. To this date, right? Um, July, August. I think it was in September to be a year. I think. And and was that your idea? Uh, no, that was a friend of mine named Patrick Ford. His name is Patrick Ford. He's a physical therapist here, um, and he came to me and basically said, "Hey, you know, I'm a fan of yours. You know, I follow you on social media, and just so happened to live around the corner from you." <laughs> and uh oh, you know, I think we, yeah now that guy was looking at your house not me that guy I know, right? um and so uh basically he was just like um we need to um you know i wanted to try to do something and create this opportunity for youth and told me his idea and i was just like i'm game like let's let's do it you know i've been thinking about the same thing i just haven't done it because i got so much going on and you know, it's time to move now, so let's do it. And so we just kind of put it together and ran with it. And tell me what it is. What What is Project Onyx? Um, it's to build equity in the <laughs> – I was just joking. Uh, 
It is. Uh, <laughs> hey, I scoured the entire website and I go, the, the, the word equity isn't on here once. <laughs> like I, just last night, I like, I commanded F. I'm like, and then I'm like, and all these people got upset at what I said because of that word. But the word equity isn't on this. Su- anyway, go yeah. on. Sorry. Um, so we started. It's to what? We started basically to um, just provide access to the black community. Um, and we were talking specifically about the black community, one, because I'm black and past half black. Um, and um, when everything happened in CrossFit, when everything happened. Wait a second. World, What's half black? What's half black? What's half black? Uh, his father's black and his mother's white. Okay. What so, if. What if then he marries a black woman? Will his and he has a kid with her? Will will those kids be half black? Well, he or married a, he they, married a when, he married a white woman, and he has a daughter, and his daughter is now probably a third black. Like she has that quarter black in her, I guess. Um, it's weird. I just never. I guess I don't hear that distinction. I either hear just black or white. But okay. Yeah. Um, so, I get it. Yeah, we started. It's, it's just math. You're doing. You're doing math. <laughs> yeah, um, we started to basically give access to youth um, and just teach them about CrossFit, like get them, get them understanding what health and wellness really is, like the, the actual foundation of it, teach them CrossFit and help diversify CrossFit where it's just like now we can get them certified. We can put more black coaches in gyms and we can help eliminate this issue that um, I'm not even going to say issue. We're going to help eliminate this the whole idea that CrossFit is not diverse and that there's not enough black people in it. Um, we're going to help eliminate that. We're going to help put more black people in the CrossFit space, give them access to it. So maybe we, we find more black athletes. Um, and that was the initial where he's a physical therapist and I'm a CrossFitter. And, um, it was just like, these kids can't afford a membership at my gym. Um, they don't know about CrossFit and they probably won't get into CrossFit because they don't have the representation to, to find interest in it. And so, um, go ahead. Oh, why do there need to be more? I want to use the exact word you use. You said get more black people into CrossFit. Why is that important? Um, just for health and just for health issues, for health reasons. Um, you know, my mother's 65 years old. Um, what do I tell her? Hey, mom, if you move to Iowa, I can take care of you. I can help you prolong your life through fitness, through CrossFit. You come into my gym. That's my job is to find all the underlying things for us to learn how to mobilize and stretch. Keep your bodies and joints healthy as possible um, and allow you to just the basics of um, increasing blood flow to your body so that you can stay as healthy as possible and, you know, live your life longer and be able to function and do things. Um, and so we know it works and we know exactly what it is. And we're just talking about the, the smallest stage of it. And that's just walking into a box and working out, right? That's the, the small stage of it. So we know it works. And if we're looking at this issue in the black community where they, they are eating bad or we're dying at rates higher uh, because of certain things, it's just like, okay, well, if I know CrossFit's going to help, why don't I just give you access to the gym so that you can work out and, we can figure this thing out. And so um, we just basically said, let's start with the youth. And um, as Project Onyx grows, hopefully we'll get into where we can uh, find a way to bring adults in um, to where they can figure out the same thing. But 
it was just as things happened, we got the uproar of the. Are you leaving? Come in here. I'm sorry. All right. Um, one of my members is moving to DC today. She's leaving us. So, uh, but we'll, we'll take a gratuitous hug. If you need to take a break to hug someone, go ahead. She'll be back. Um, but yeah, so right. it's just like we're Project Onyx. We can give this access to kids, and hopefully, they can then spread the word of what they're doing, and we can continue to bring you know black people into CrossFit. We can continue to bring black people into the sport that has change so many lives and allow people to to stay healthy and fit and then on top of that uh for me on the on the flip side of it was i own my own gym like i'm a business owner i can create revenue to take care of my family it's like why not get you a level one so that you can do the same thing we can open up a gym in the middle of the city you know we can start in your garage we can do workouts at the park and you know just it's a way for a kid to immediately find a way to do something they love and create a revenue stream to take care of themselves and not have to clock in or work for someone else. And so it just all made sense with Project Onyx um, to start the program. But it's not it's it's not just for people with black skin. It's for um, un, people who can't afford a gym also. Yeah, which is that right? Yeah, which was predominantly black. Um by kids and stuff like that. I mean, you got you got a kid in this picture. I'm no expert, but you got a kid in a green shirt here on the on the end. I don't know how he got past your criteria. He doesn't look like to me. You see him? I'm Hold sorry. On. I'm on the empowerment youth page. I'm on the empowerment youth page. You let you let one slip in. I guess he could identify with being black. He could he could have told you, and you were like, "Shit, we're stuck taking this one." Hold on. And. Are you, Elijah, are, are how you, come there's no thinking, girls? Are you are you thinking that th- Project Onyx is only for black kids? Uh, I thought that you just said that in the beginning, but I but I no, 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 I only no. hear what I want to hear, so am I, yeah, I may not, be wrong. Not only for black kids, it was created. <laughs> yeah, it's not only for black kids, Savon. It was created to create the representation for black kids. So we're going to attract uh, the same way. Um. A a white kid is going to look up to you because he sees you and you look like him. No one's ever looked up to. (laughs) No one's ever looked up to me. Let's use someone else as an example. I'm five foot five. Only nine percent of the population is shorter than me. So, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's not. It's not only for black kids. It's just that um, um, me being the me being who I am in the sport is going to attract a kid that looks like me or that I can identify directly without even knowing who I am or what I do. Um, right. Because I'm black. And so therefore it was just to, to bring in kids like that. We have Mexican kids, we have Asian kids, we have white kids in our program and we do have females. We have a a ton of girls in our program. Um, how do you launch that? How does that start by that? I mean, like, do you, like how do you get your first your first participants? How do you get your first participants in a program like that? Let's say I want to start a program like that in my neighborhood. How do I get my first participants? So what happened was is um, <clears throat> are you about to leave, Jess? Come in. I'm sorry. Give me a second. Not take your time. He this uh, Elijah takes more breaks than me. I don't know if I <clears throat> if 
if I told you about this, but as he's been talking about it, I've been thinking. You know, I went to um, I'll be the other couple of weeks ago. I gotta come out there and see family because a ton of black people participating in this fitness event, way more than I've ever seen a CrossFit event, and I couldn't figure out why. All right, girl. What city was it in? Chicago. Oh, maybe that's why. I mean, my mom went to a gym in Benicia, California, and it was it was all Filipinos. It was like fifty Filipinos and my 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 mom. It was crazy. Yeah. So um, that was their box. So sorry. Go ahead. So 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 how do you how do you start this? Like the first day, like do no kids show up, and you're like, all right, I guess I'll just do some burpees. So when I first um, opened my gym, I went and spoke to a group of kids and. one of the kids was, I told him like, Hey, anybody that wants a free membership at my gym can come to my gym for free. If you're serious, you know, so that you can train, work out and we can introduce you to CrossFit. Well, it was one kid that was like, Hey, I'm serious. I want to come. And he started coming. And then, uh, he asked, could he invite his friend and he invited his friend. And so once his friend started coming, he invited his friend. And then I had like four kids. This was like when I first opened my gym and from those four kids, um, I basically, once we started the nonprofit and started the organization Project Onyx, I told those kids to go get all of your friends, go get them all, awesome. tell them to come to the gym. And they just, they went out and went rampant and tell everybody, Hey, we got free memberships. And by that time, um, you know, I have been working with these two, these three, four kids for a couple of years. And so, I mean, their friends have seen me, heard about me, started following me on social media and stuff like that. And, um, it was just, it was just time. It was just time for, um, for me to just to open put a door. name to it. You were already doing it. You were already yeah. doing it. Like you said, you had. I mean, the premise is is to 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 give kids an opportunity to do CrossFit and kids who might otherwise not be introduced to it or couldn't afford it. And and you were already doing it. And then this dude rolled around and you guys built a website and named it. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and it was just, you know, created a nonprofit. Um, just, yeah, just added, how many ki- how many kids in the program now, Elijah? Um, I think right now we're almost at thirty. Holy shit! And do you guys have any sponsors? Just went out. Do you guys have any sponsors? Uh, no sponsors. I don't no, we we uh we try to collaborate and work with people, but no, we don't have any sponsors. Project Onyx. And do you still have any sponsors? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still have a few. And and do you have any aspirations to still go to the games? Crap, you went on again. Do I have any aspirations for to still go to the games? Uh, yeah. When I get to the Masters, I'm gonna try to compete in the Masters and try to qualify. Yeah, because I still see you're working hard, man. You are working hard. Yeah, every now and then putting in a little bit of work. Um, just like I said, just like I got this two hundred, this double century bike and this marathon run that just changing it up a little bit, trying to see if my body can uphold, you know, different stimuluses and different type of trainings. Um, but CrossFit's still the the platform. Still are you the, doing that training with, with anyone? Or are you planning to do those events with anyone? Or are you just doing that for yourself? Yeah, just doing them solo. Is it local? Uh, yes. The yes. Des Moines bu- Duathlon? Uh, no, no, I didn't do that one. I didn't do that one. 
I just made that up. I didn't even know what a duathlon was until yesterday. Medeiros had to explain it to me. Yeah, they just had a duathlon um, like last week or something like that. Um, as I dug through your Instagram, I, one of the people I was surprised to see on there was Mallory O'Brien. I had no oh, yeah. idea. Obviously, she's she's popped on my um, screen just because she did so well at what, at the Mid Atlantic region. Where did she Granite do games. so well? Granite, 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 Granite games. games. Yeah. And I is she your? Are do you still coach her? Uh, not anymore. She's coached by James Townsend. Um, I coached her her first two years at the games. And and uh, in Iowa. Yeah, she's right here. in she Iowa. She lives in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And and how did you meet her? How did you find her? Is she just some kid who just rolled into your gym? Yeah, uh, I met her when I first moved here. I had dropped into her gym to work out, um, and that's when I first was introduced and met her. And then um, she was with another coach, and he brought her to my gym because they were going to like a competition, and they didn't have runners or something like that. And then uh, a couple months later, she contacted me and said, "Could she come, you know, train under me?" and you know, she wanted to make it to the games, and I was like, okay. Like, you know, every every kid says I want to make it to the games that's doing CrossFit. So I just told her to just drop in a few times and, you know, work out, and we'll see. And if it's something that I feel is is worth the time, then, you know, we can go toward it. And she dropped in, started working out, signed up for a membership at the gym. And I want to say it was like a week of classes where I was like, gosh, this kid is different. Like, and so um, put her in our comp class and uh, started programming for her and working with her. And she just continued to excel and excel and excel and excel. And she just she just had that switch. She had that that Froning switch, that that Fraser switch that she just had it. She's and uh, she just continued to get better and better and better fast. And I was just like, OK, this is going to happen. And that same year, I didn't qualify for regionals which was 2018 and uh, she ended up qualifying for the games. So I was just like, well, I guess I'm going as a coach. Are you saying that with all seriousness? Like, like she has the froning Fraser switch or you, I I would guess you wouldn't throw that around lightly. Yeah. I've been around both of them. I've been around froning Fraser and Annie Thor's daughter enough. Um, to know what it looks like. And I told her when she was 14 years old, you don't owe me anything because with your work ethic and your efforts that you put in and who you are, it's going to happen anyway. It's like, it's trust me, it's going to happen. Like I've been around these athletes. I've seen them. I know what they do and don't have. And I, I mean, I was very honest with her. Like I'm not like them. Like I'm just not like I, I'm, I have no desire to put in that that time, um, and I I never wanted to win the games, um, but you want to win the games, and I'm telling you right now, like it's going to happen, just in due time. And um, she continues to awe me just throughout the years of her training and her dedication. She just continues to awe me, and now she's just on that stage where she's. Um, the world's looking at her now, like everyone's seeing her now. You know, when you're 14, 15 years old, no one's really paying you any attention. Um, but now they see her and um, they're going to have to deal what? with that problem. Huh. And, and, and what did you teach? Like when she came to you, could she do a snatch or a clean or a kipping pull up? Did you did you introduce her to all those? Or 
Uh, no, she was a gymnast by trade. So she had a lot of the gymnastics pretty locked down. She was pretty good. Uh, we worked on her weightlifting a lot um, as far as technique, positioning. And then everything that we kind of dove into, like, was just like, she's a kid. So she just wants to go fast and she thinks she can hold on for a long time. So it was just a lot of pacing, just getting her to understand, like, sets and reps that you can do for your body, for your fitness level where you're at. Um, and then just challenging her by competing with her. Cause I, I can, I trained with her for the two years. So it was just, just training with her and, you know, giving her that push, that edge. Cause I always, I always train with Froning. So I knew the difference between having a coach and having a training partner. And, uh, for me, it was like, nah, I'll take a training partner over a coach any day. Um, and so it was just like, all right, I'll be your coach, but I'm going to train with you because you got to know what it's like to lose and you got to know what it feels like to, to win and handle yourself in, in both ways. So, um, yeah, just. Can you imagine being 14 years old and training with Elijah Muhammad? I mean, <laughs> it, it, just just the hoot spot, just the just to it's e it's either complete lack of awareness or complete self-confidence, right? Well, it's not, you I mean, know, it's not the only environment in which that's happening. There, this girl who's, I think, 16 or 17 now, Olivia Kerstetter, she's been training with, alongside Hepner for several years as well. But yeah, it is mind boggling yeah. to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Funny. Yeah, those, I mean, those kids give you that extra edge because like, it's just certain things that you just can't beat a kid at. Like when it comes to certain things, or just like a good fit kid, is it's just gonna she's just gonna like you have no chance so it's just it gives you that edge to, to push a little harder too um as well as so easy, like, i i know i i got to Go see ahead. her compete live for the first time in in minnesota and i have my own thoughts about this and and you already kind of alluded to it but what do you think is a reasonable time frame to her to for her to threaten for the winning the games um so I don't, I'm not going to say she, she can't win this year. I think she needs to feel that, that stage. I think this is her feel year. Like she's going to do, I think she's going to do substantially well. Cause there's, there's nothing that kid can't do. Like she's, she is well prepared and well-rounded, but it's just that first year, man. Like the Frazier, that feel stage, the, the Fronings, that feel stage, Danny Thor's daughter, that feel stage where it's just like. I know I can win this thing, but it just didn't happen. Like, uh, like yeah. I know she can win it, but it's just it just might not happen. And then when she comes back after that, after that, oh, I know what it feels like. I've I've tasted it. I just feel, I just really feel sorry for a lot of the athletes that thought they were next in line. <laughs> well, it's a it's it a is like that, right? Sorry, Brian. Let me say this real quick. It is like that, right? Like you think that. You think that okay, I just need to wait for Tia to retire and Katrin to get old and Annie to get old, and then I'm and, and they're going down and I'm going up. But then all of a sudden, Mallory O'Brien showed up. It's like a, it's like, <laughs> does it break their heart? Does it break their spirit? Heck, shit, yeah, it breaks your heart, man. Everybody think that. Listen, <laughs> everybody think because Frazier's gone that they're next, and now you got this kid who Hopper is his name. Hop is it the Hopper kid? Yeah, the Hopper kid. Man, like everybody thought they were next, and now you, this other guy pops up on the radar, and it's just like, oh shit, we got to deal with this dude. He's like twenty three. He's like twenty two <laughs> years old. It's like, 
Oh, well, I don't know some... whether to laugh or to cry. Okay, oh. sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, there, there's an interesting dynamic in that regard for sure. Because you got the older guys, Fellner, Frakowski, Panchik, these that think like, man, I have an opportunity here. But you have Hopper, who's 23, and Maderos, who's 22, who's already proven what he can do at a young age, and he's already had the opportunity to feel it out against Matt. But on the women's side, it's 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 similar, I think, because obviously Mallory's exceptional and. I mean, she won three events consecutively at a semifinal. Like, that's pretty rare air right there. But, uh, you know, Haley Adams is not very old, and Emma Carey is also very good. You've probably had a chance to see her compete. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you yeah. just, you know, because in individual sports in general, sometimes, like, the best people historically, they get knocked for saying, yeah, you know, Federer had all these majors won before Nadal and Djokovic showed up on the scene. So he kind of got a soft era where, yeah, he was the best, but there wasn't anyone to challenge him. And if Mal's going to come up and be the best, she's going to have that challenge from Haley and from Emma, who have also proven to be pretty good. Do you think it's an advantage that there's other people around her age that she knows she has to keep pushing against? Um, yeah, for sure. I think that is definitely an advantage. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but like um, when I coached her, we had a lot of a lot of mental talks about like like seeing the field. And, um, you know, I'm one of those guys where, like, I'm not a I'm not a head down, just stay in my lane kind of guy. Like, I'm like, a, who else is out here doing what and how good are they really so I can figure out who I need to keep an eye on and who I like. It's just it's just something about being aware of who you're going up against. You know what I'm saying? And finding the little things like um, I'm a huge person where when I, when I I'm a huge person on like understanding the other athletes like when i see matt frazier catch a clean and his body just stays as firm as possible and he just stands it up that's a fear factor it's like okay like that scares me a little bit that puts a little like damper on what what's going on so it's just like i think that's a huge part of the competition aspect where it's just like hey you need to know that you can beat these girls you need to know that you know what i'm saying what what their weaknesses are and what they kind of uh, lack at like you need you need to know that continue to do exactly what you're doing to get better and fitter and stronger and um and learn more about yourself but like when you're on the field i need to know oh she sled pushes are her weakness like she was slowing down on sleds that might transfer into some grunt things that she may have issues with she doesn't want to hurt as bad as me all right here's my advantages and here's how i you know almost like put the damper on her weekend when i crush her in a certain workout you know so I just think it's a part of the game where it's just like, I need to know all aspects of the competition and, you know, like things like that. So I think with her coming up with these girls that are around her age, it's going to keep her striving a little bit harder because it's like, they got as much time as me to continue to grow and get better. And you don't really know what they're good and bad at yet. Cause they haven't been able to perform at the games at that top level. So it's just like, we don't know what we're about to see that these kids are going to kind of do well. Like I know Atia Tumi, we've seen what she may not excel in multiple years until she gets better at them. So in those years, it's like, well, I need to crush her soul on this one. Um, and so I just think that's going to that's going to be the push for them. I think what Elijah is saying is one of the most honest perspectives I've heard about competition, as opposed to the conventional wisdom that like. 
you hear from a lot of coaches and trainers where it's like, hey, you can only do what you can do and put your head down and focus on yourself. I think that what he's saying is a, is a missing part to a lot of this. And it's funny you say that because in the, you maybe just think of two, two different kinds of CrossFit Games athletes. There's the one who's the first time on the big stage and they're really nervous and it might scare them. And then there's, and maybe that was the original Tia Tumi we saw. And now we see a Tia Tumi who thrives in the light. And the yeah. scary thing about Mallory is, is she showed at the semifinal just by her post game interviews that she thrives in the light too. I mean, she yeah. already has swagger. She's already yeah. getting fed from the crowd. It's nuts. It's nuts. There was actually, there's one event there that was a great example of what, uh, Easy's talking about, both components of her. It was the event with the muscle ups, the cleans, and then the torque tank. And when just her turn to push the torque tank, she had head down, staring at the ground, step, 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 the ultimate focus on the goal. But as soon as she finished and got to the end and turned around when she was making her way back to the rig, her head was not a, on a swivel. She was looking at the other girls and observing the things that Easy's talking about. While she's still achieving yeah. work, getting back to the rig to do her next set. Yeah, like when we talk about sport, like think about it. Like before I went and played a team, what did we do? Scouting report. I need to know everything about this athlete before I got to go against them. That's it. It's a scouting report. I need to know the plays. I need to know what he lacks on defense, which hand he likes to drive to, if he spins a certain way. Like I need to know as much about this athlete as well as how I'm going to perform and how, how I'm training and preparing for this competition. And I think that's sport. Like, it's not like, Oh, head down, just worry about myself and, you know, only control what's in my lane. It's like, whatever you lack at, I need to expose or I need to just be able to crush you at that time that I know this is going to be a bad event for you. Important, important question here. So what are, what does the scouting report on Dave Castro, the basketball player? <laughs> <laughs> have you played hoop? Have you played hoops with Dave? Easy? Nah, we talked about it, man. We we talked about it, and he said he he was straight up, man. He was like, "Easy, I suck. I just like playing basketball." And I was like, "Hey, man, listen. People can smack talk me in CrossFit all day long, and it may not even disturb me. You may not. Sometimes you may not get anything back from me. It may just be like, all right, cool. Like the moment you start talking about basketball, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. I don't care if you're a kid. I don't care if you're, <laughs> I do not care. The moment you cross the lines and come into that court, it is game on. I'm going to play you like I'm playing a professional athlete and I'm going to talk to you the same way. Um, so Dave, me and Dave chatted up and he was like, yeah, I want to play you. And I was like, Dave, you do not want to play me one-on-one. Like I'm pretty sure you would, it, it would not be a good experience for you. You would not enjoy it. And uh, he was like, oh, I know I suck. I just want to have fun and play. And I was like, well, as long as you keep it as cordial and as fun as possible. But if you score a bucket and you say something to me, <laughs> it's going to get personal. And so, he will. He will. I know he will. He, I, know he, he will. I don't know if he'll score a bucket, but if he, but if he does, he'll say something. Um, so so what, what ended up happening with Mallory? She moved. Where's James? Where's James live? Uh, James is Jim's up the street from mine. So, oh, so she basically is that a was that a painful separation? Uh, no, I had no, no idea no. he was in Iowa. I thought he was in Pittsburgh or something. No, nah, he's in Iowa. He's literally up the street from me. It wasn't a painful. I was just over there training with them at a training camp this weekend. Uh, just stopped by to jump into training camp and just see everybody. But um, no, nah, it wasn't a painful situation. Um, she felt like she needed a little bit more support. I was traveling a lot, moving around a lot. 
Um, she felt like she needed a little bit more support, and it was just that, I guess it was that season. Um, she left her coach to come train with me. Um, she left me to move over to James, and uh, obviously the decisions that she's making are putting her in the best position possible. So I'm never going to fault anyone for doing what's best for them and to pursue their career or what they want to do. And so um, no, I just hugged on her this weekend and high-fived her up and you know, told her how great she's doing and uh, trained over there with James and some of the other guys this weekend. Do you um ha so James has uh two amazing daughters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 he's really and and I don't know if they're they're gifted, but um I would say it looks like it's just all tons of hard work, which is kind of the crazy thing because tons of people will be like, "Oh, your kid's so gifted." And you're like, "Nah. Not gifted at all. This is just putting the hours in." Yeah. This is just practice, practice, practice. Um, do your kids play with his kids? Uh, when they were over there, yeah, but they don't. They don't play like like me and James don't hang out. Like we don't see each other regularly. Okay. Like he's usually doing his thing. I'm usually super busy over here, and we're about uh, like living ways. We're about 25 minutes from each other. Living, I'm guessing. Oh, okay. Um, but now they um, they don't get to hang out as much. I'm pretty sure as they get older, as we find more time and uh like schedules and stuff like that they probably will though um i'm gonna ask you a really uncomfortable question here i apologize but i gotta know would you like to have me as a neighbor uh yeah i think that'd be cool that'd be cool i would love to be your neighbor <laughs> even if you didn't want to be my neighbor i would love to live next door to a married couple that had four young kids, my kids age. And, uh, man, it would be, it yeah. would be so awesome. I'd cut I a hole in the fence between the backyards, put a little latch on it. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was talking to a couple friends out in, um, Santa Cruz and I told them next time I come out, I'm gonna try to bring the boys and, um, have them link up with Savant's kids and stuff like that. Um, who are you friends with in Santa Cruz, if you don't mind me asking? Um, Lance. Um, you oh, know, yeah, Connor, from Nova. Yeah. Hey, if you come out here, you can stay at my house. I got this, like, my house <laughs> is kind of, like, in two, in two wings, and you guys and I have, and my kids can stay in my room, and uh, you can bring your whole family. You have your own bathroom, your two bedrooms. That would be you, uh, amazing. You told, you told me that, like, uh... I want to say it was like three years ago. You were like, hey, come out, you and your family, and stay with us. Um, that was when I liked you. Now I just know we can make a lot of content and I can get more followers. <laughs> so my, agen my agenda has changed. But, For sure. But the invitation is still the same. Um, I appreciate you coming on here. Um, yeah. I have another podcast coming up before I do that other podcast. Um, I'm going to go over to Pronic. I have the the website open now. I'm going to go to Project Onyx. I'm going to make a small donation that fits my my uh, my budget. And uh, <laughs> I just I just really really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know yeah. we have a long history together. Um, I know we exchanged some DMs after the uh, post on Noah Olson's thing. Um, yeah. And true to your nature, um, like your line, you only gave me positive energy For sure. and uh i have to, i have to tell you i i when, when i when you responded to my dm i i 
I played it like five times, like, and, and I just kind of just laid on my couch and was just loving on it. So thanks, <laughs> man. Sure, man. Yes, man. Thank you all for having me on, man. Super appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you got to come out. You got to come out. That would be, yeah. that would be so awesome. Yeah, well, for sure. We'll and you can sure. come out for a long time. I know I know traveling with kids sucks. Like, I would never yeah. want to go anywhere for a couple of days. So if you is come out, come s- out and stay for a while. Is that the same dog yes. y'all had 10 years <laughs> <Yeah>. ago? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Haley easy recognizes the dog. <laughs> he doesn't move as well. He's old as shit now. but Man, she kept that dog with her all the time. Ah, he said that dog was always with Haley. <laughs> it still man. always is, dude. <laughs> It'll be a hundred degrees, and Haley will still make that dog come everywhere with her. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, thank you guys for having me, man. Super appreciate it, man. Brian, it's your turn to talk. Oh, I thought we were like done. say bye or something. Oh. No, yeah, but you got to say something like thanks for coming on or cute headphones or you got to just like some, some closing statement. Oh, okay. Uh, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Ooh. No, 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 no. LeBron. LeBron. Nah, that was too quick. I knew that, Actually, I thought that might LeBron. be a tough one for you because you, because you, you're, we're the same age and I knew you grew up during the Jordan era, but you're also from like yeah. the same state as LeBron. And so I was like, I wonder what yeah. he'll say. I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go for LeBron, man. That's my, that's my guy, man. I can't argue with that. 